Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to the People's Medicine Show. This is January 2019. I usually do this show on the first Thursday of each month. This month I decided to postpone it a week, and we're doing it on the second Thursday of each month. It's normally at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and you're welcome to call in. Our call-in number is 646-929-2463. You can talk about herbs. You can talk about whatever you like. Well, I... um, didn't really um, produce much this month uh, to bring to the table, but I'm going to tell you, let's set the theme as a fiscal new year. And I was noticing Rebecca, uh, Susan's co-host on the, the Ask Susan Weed show, which is on this same channel, and I was noticing Rebecca's Facebook this month, and she was talking about how... Uh, traditionally, um, you know, the Earth-based religions would count the spring equinox as the new year. And where did they come up with this uh, idea that the middle of the winter is, or the beginning of the winter is the new year? But um, I guess it has to do with the Saturn way of looking at it. But um, I, I'm going to be calling it the fiscal new year because I was like, really, though? how is this a new year to me? I'm like, I don't know. It's just like I, my new job, I have to uh, compute a lot of my business expenses. And it occurred to me, I was like, yeah, well, I guess um, fiscally we're structured that December 31st is the end of the year when it comes to um, our taxable income and all our deductions. But then even as I was thinking about it, there are a few deductions that you could take, you know, that go into the new year. And we actually um, cleared the balance, you know, on April 15th, I believe it is, in the United States, where we have to actually settle up with the government and pay all our taxes. So actually, April 15th is close to that spring equinox where we're um, shutting down the previous year. We're settling our our debt, at least our tax debt with the government on our income. But I um, figured, um, let's open it up. You know, let's, I don't know if all, I I love the Grateful Dead lyric that goes, uh, all the years combined, (laughs) because they all seem to combine. And it's funny to, uh, you know, to be in this sort of spiral where we're um telling the same story and we're gathering info and then as we we gather more info and we tell the story again on the next go around it's like oh the story changes and um the melissa daughter or dawson who was a, a guest on susan's show last month she sent me an email saying how story medicine where is that like it's sort of a tricky one because the story is always changing and um Maybe the story is better when we first tell the story, and then once we tell the story a hundred times, maybe it loses it, but maybe the story improves. I don't know if I could really say story medicine could be our theme tonight, but um, um, I'm really not too sure about what kind of theme, but I did pick an herb that I'm working with, and um, I decided to make my first tincture of wormwood, which is 
Artemisia absinthia. And I figured, um, let me go ahead and uh, read a little bit about wormwood on the show tonight. And yeah, the tincture I made was um, using 12 ounces of 100 proof vodka, and that's 12 fluid ounces. And then I weighed up um, two ounces of dried wormwood, and I put it into a jar, uh, covered it with the 12 ounces of uh, 100-proof vodka, and I'm going to be shaking it every few days or whenever I can think of it. And I'll be um, maybe reporting more about what wormwood is and wh how I'm using it. Right now, I was told it's... Uh, handy thing to have perhaps if you're traveling to places where there are waterborne illnesses and I'm curious to use it in that way as sort of as a travel medicine if I'm if I'm traveling and my stomach's not right maybe I'm caught a little something but I um I did a quick Google search and there was some really good stuff about it and of course, I closed a lot of my um, windows that had the info I had about wormwood. But yeah, let's go ahead and look at it. All right, so um, let's yeah, let's go with WebMD and, and see see what WebMD uh, speaks about wormwood. I, I like starting with the, just the straight um, authority. Uh, like, what's the authorities, you know, the medical authorities, what do, they, what do they have to say about wormwood? But I'm not too sure if WebMD is actually an authority, but it's something that a lot of just doctors look at. If I went to my doctor and says, oh, I'm using a lot of wormwood, he would probably open up WebMD and take a look at that. So I'm going to go ahead and start reading a little bit about wormwood. And maybe I'll be reading a lot about wormwood tonight because I know very little about it except it's in um, the Asteraceae family, the sunflower family. It's related to the other Artemisias very closely. And it has really distinct looking flowers. It's a very beautiful plant. Um, so wormwood is an herb. The above ground parts and oil are used for medicine. Wormwood is used for various digestion problems, such as loss of appetite, upset stomach, gallbladder disease, and intestinal spasms. Wormwood is also used to treat fever, liver disease, depression, muscle pain, memory loss, and worm infections. <laughs> to increase sexual desire as a tonic and to stimulate sweating, wormwood is used for Crohn's disease and a kidney disorder called IgA nephropathy, which is sort of, um, yeah, that's an amazing um, list of things. List it right off the bat on WebMD about wormwood. So um, how does it work? Um, wormwood contains the chemical thujone, which excites the central nervous system. However, it can, it can also cause seizures and other adverse effects. Other chemicals in wormwood might decrease inflammation swelling. So I am really excited to be reading about wormwood. So I'm looking at page two. Um, uses. Okay, it didn't want to open up a new one. Okay. So, um, yeah, so these are the uses. Oh, interesting. So here's another one, osteoarthritis. 
Early research suggests that applying ointment or liniment-containing wormwood to the knee might reduce pain in people with osteoarthritis, but it doesn't seem to improve stiffness or function. Wormwood also doesn't seem to be as effective as using a prescription gel containing a medicine called pyro, pyroxychem. So that is cool. All right, I'm going to go ahead and read a little bit more from some of the Here's another really good one. This is from indigoherbs.co.uk, and it didn't want to open up, so I had to open it up in the Google cache. All right, so, so here's traditional use and health benefits of wormwood, Artemisia absinthia. Wormwood has perhaps gained the most notoriety for one of its ingredients, absinthol used in the French spirit absinthe. So, so the active ingredient absinthol, I suppose, is the same as Fujon. All right, I'm going to continue reading. Um, however, the potent herb, herb has a long history of use stretching back into ancient Greece and the time of Hippocrates. It was most commonly used for the expulsion of worms, hence the name wormwood, although Hippocrates prescribed it for menstrual pains jaundice, anemia, and rheumatism. Wormwood benefits. Wormwood is a bitter herb affecting the bitter sensing taste buds that send signals to the brain to stimulate the entire digestive system, salivation, stomach acid production, intestinal tract movement. It also stimulates the release of bile from the liver, the storage of bile in the gallbladder, and other secretions from the intestinal glands which will enhance the body's ability to digest food. A common cause of weak digestion is too little stomach acid, not too much. Acid reflux is the result of a weak stomach acid. It's weak stomach acid that is unable to properly digest food. Hydrochloric acid production is stimulated by wormwood, and it will optimize bowel flora while killing off dangerous organisms such as Heliobacter pylori, which can lead to duodenal ulcers if left untreated. It can also help the recovery from long-term illness by improving the uptake of nutrients. Recent evidence has also shown that wormwood can be an effective treatment for SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. One particular study found that 84% of IBS patients tested positive for SIBO. This bacterial overgrowth can leak, can break down the lining of your stomach, leading to, leak, quote, leaky gut syndrome, unquote. Once the lining has been compromised, it leaves the immune system exposed to foreign particles from food, bacteria, and other microbes. This can trigger the immune response that will irritate the enteric nervous system, creating the havoc that can lead to IBS and many other problems. Wormwood, along with other antimicrobial herbs, such as oregano and thyme, have been shown to provide broad-spectrum coverage against the types of bacteria most commonly involved in SIBO. Okay, that was really cool. So, uh, wormwood seems to be just an all-around sort of um, digest, digestion adaptogen. I'm not sure what you'd call it, but it seems like... Um, Really, I was kind of uh, interesting that um, 
acid reflux is the result of weak stomach acid. Um, so it's not like a shortage of stomach acid. It seems to be our stomach acid is weak. And um, I th that's something that I really hadn't thought about, that yeah, I was always under the impression that some people don't produce enough stomach acid, but it, it seems to be just the chemistry of cer certain people's stomach acid, which causes a lot of digestion problems. I'm going to go ahead and uh, continue on some of the... Um, Uses of wormwood, uh, antiparasitic, that's what it's most famous for. Worms, especially roundworms and pinworms, are effectively neutralized by wormwood. General parasitic infections are commonly treated with wormwood, black walnut, and clove. These three herbs taken together are said to break the life cycle of the parasite, thus killing off the infection. So yeah, I've heard that a long time ago. I remember uh, there was a woman where she... I can't remember her name. I should have prepared a little bit more for the show tonight, but she claimed that all the cancers that everyone has is the origin was, uh, oh, it's just parasites. It's these liver flukes, and you needed to kill, kill the worms and kill the eggs, and you needed these three herbs, and um, you needed wormwood, black walnut, and clove all taken together to be able to get any benefit, <laughs> but it, it appears that wormwood just by itself without the other harsher black walnut clove is in it, in it of itself anti-parasitic. So perhaps, you know, as simple herbalists, we really try to um, use one herb at a time and, um, you know, be intuitive and we can be more intuitive when we use one herb at a time. If um, the herb is, if we're using too much of it, we'll be able to tell if we're using too much of the herb. But when we're combining all these different herbs together, we won't know if we're using, what, too much wormwood. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and, and read a little bit more about uh, another property. It's an anti-inflammatory. Wormwood contains the phytochemicals azulines compounds which are proven to have powerful anti-inflammatory activity. Whilst inflammation is a necessary step in the healing process, persistent low-level inflammation is at the root of practically all known chronic health conditions, including everything from rheumatoid arthritis and high cholesterol to dementia. This anti-inflammatory effect is responsible for the relief wormwood can provide from the pain and swelling of arthritis. And we just uh, read how um, used topically, it appears to be a pain herb, that when we're in pain, we can use wormwood as a topical. And um, here's the next section. I'm reading again from a website called Indigo Herbs of Glassenberry. And um, so liver health. Wormwood has demonstrated hepatoprotective effects in animal models by reducing oxidation and exhibiting anti-inflammatory properties, thereby reducing liver damage. It can also be used as part of a liver flush to clear out congestion in this important organ. <laughs> so typical use, one to four milliliters of wormwood tincture may be taken up to three times per day for a limited amount of time, not more than four to five weeks, according to indigo herbs. All right, let's read about the folklore and history. 
although its name is commonly thought to come from this herb's ability to kill intestinal parasites. Quote, wormwood has been speculated to come from the Anglo-Saxon word wormwood, meaning mind preserver. In the 16th century, it was thought to counteract the poison effect of hemlock and toadstools. If ever bitten by a sea dragon, <laughs> wormwood was a source of comfort to the victim. <laughs> it also makes an appearance in Felter and Lloyd's King's Dispensary from 1898, which quotes, Wormwood possesses decided medicinal qualities, acting with considerable force upon the cerebrum and the sympathetic nervous system. It has been employed with success for the, the expulsion of intestinal parasites, such as Ascaris vermicularis and lumbricoides. Constituents. The main phytochemical constituents of wormwood include volatile oils, which are comprised predominantly of monoterpenes, um, which are thujone and linalool. I believe linalool is the terpene that's in hops. I'm not sure, though. Don't quote me. <laughs> and bitter sesquiterpene lactones. All precautions do not take if you're pregnant or breastfeeding. Take only in small doses and for no more than four to five weeks at a stretch. Consult with a healthcare professional or a doctor of herbal medicine, not recommended for children. So there was a long period in the United States where the um, alcoholic drink absinthe was forbidden because it contained um, an extract of wormwood. And uh, it was thought to have all these harmful properties, but it appears that it's another herb that you can use pretty liberally, but um, not something you want to be using forever, maybe just for a little bit. I'm going to go ahead and read a little bit more about wormwood. There was, um, here's one from Richard Whalen, medical herbalist. And this is a New Zealand uh, website. And uh, let's read his little uh, materia medica on wormwood. In herbal medicine, we use the leaves of wormwood, a tough and long-lived plant that has an intense odor and a truly unforgettable taste. <laughs> the whole wormwood plant has an unusual gray-white color and is covered with a soft, downy kind of fur. Wormwood looks weird, it tastes weird, and its name could hardly be less appealing, but this is a plant with a tremendous medical history and one that is still revered in herbal traditions today. How has it been used? Wormwood has been extensively used to kill worms and parasites, and of course, this is how it got its name. Well, uh, from our previous reading, that may be up for debate. So, um, wormwood also has a rich traditional use as a tonic for people with weakened digestion or low energy. It is a particularly potent liver tonic and has been widely used in cleansing programs since antiquity. Culpepper, considered wormwood, one of the finest remedies for poor liver function, gastrointestinal pain, and indigestion. He also thought it especially excellent for gout and gravel, kidney stones. 
Wormwood has also been highly regarded as a pain-relieving herb when applied externally as a tincture rubbed on the skin or a compress made from the herb and placed over the affected parts. Rudolf Weiss talks about wormwood stimulating action on the central nervous system. This has been famously abused in history in the form of absinthe, a mind-altering drink made from wormwood. But as he says, the action caused by the low doses in conventional preparations may be desirable as it has a rather balancing and regulating effect. Weiss especially values wormwood for its effects on the digestive system, calling it the best remedy for dyskinesia, lack of movement. Of the biliary tract, biliary tract, well, related to the movement of bile through the liver. So, wormwood looks like something that if you have that sluggish bile, it's one of those uh, first first herbs. Um, I have always felt that um, juicing beets is uh, really good for uh, stagnant, you know, type thick um, um, liver bile. But that's... Um, yeah, that's just me. That's my personal thing. That That's my first go-to when I feel like um, I'm congested in that area. <laughs> so um, W.M. Cook writes, I'm going to continue to read. W.M. Cook writes, the leaves and flowers were used by the ancients. They're stimulating and relaxing tonics, bitter and strong to the highest degree and acting upon the stomach and gall, gall ducks. It improves appetite and digestion and slightly influences the vowels, for which effect it has been a favorable addition to tonic preparations for low and bilious conditions, jaundice, hypochondria, and similar maladies. A small portion of it serves a good purpose in such cases when there is a decided languor and sluggishness of action, though its intense bitterness has pretty much driven it from use. Considerable doses or its long continued use leads to excitement of the stomach pulse of the stomach, pulse and brain, which results have been attributed to a narcotic property in it. I wholly doubt its narcotism, but trace these effects to its very slow and persistent stimulating and tonic action upon both the heart and nervous centers. It is quite popular in the treatment of worms and is a good for the stomach worm when the stomach is languid and the abdomen tumefied, swollen, and flaccid. It makes a good formentation, poultice, and sprains rheumatism and other subacute difficulties about the joints and in bruises and local congestions. Okay, so he's going to quote King's Dispensary again. And maybe we could switch switch over. Um, yeah, that's basically the same thing. I'll go ahead and read it again. King's Dispensary writes, Wormwood possesses decided medicinal qualities acting with considerable force upon the cerebrum and sympathetic nervous system and has been employed with success for the expulsion of intestinal parasites such as Ascaris, Vermicularis, and Lumbricoids. In small doses, it's stimulatonic, improves the appetite, and is useful in a tonic states of the gastrointestinal tract. As a tonic dyspepsia, especially when due to alcoholic excesses, aha, uh-huh, 
in flatulent colic and in obstinate diarrhea. Large doses increase the action of the heart and the arteries. It has been employed with good results in amenorrhea and leucaria when due to debility. So I'm reading from rjwhelan.co.nz. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read, continue reading. The British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, BHP, describes wormwood's actions as bitter stomach, cholerae, cholerae, All right. It says it's indicated for parasitic infestation, anorexia, atonic dyspepsia, and especially indicated for infestation with enterobias. The BHP suggests a dose of one, one to two grams by infusion, or a dose of one to two milliliters of the extract of wormwood. Okay, here's a new source. Uh, Thomas Bartram describes wormwood's actions as digestive, mental, stomach, bile, and gastric juice stimulant, anti-parasitic, anti-thalmentic, anti-inflammatory, carminative, choleratic, and immune-enhancing herb. He says it can help feeble digestion, liver and gallbladder congestion with yellow tinge of the skin and eyes. He goes on to say that wormwood is also for depression of liver origin, foul breath, lack of appetite, nausea, and travel sickness. See? I'm on to it. I was, I was thinking this is, this is an herb that... Um, it's going to help me while I'm traveling. And I got a little part of that, uh, listening to Susan Weed, uh, and struck someone who was afraid to drink water in India. And she was like, yeah, just add a little bit of wormwood tincture to whatever you're afraid to drink. And these people reported back saying they had absolutely no uh, diarrhea and they traveled for weeks in India. So I think um, I tend to get just stressed stressy and um, I think wormwood will be helpful for me while I travel. All right, let's look at science on wormwood. I'm going to continue to read. Studies with wormwood extracts given to human volunteers show it causes a dramatic increase in both gastric secretions in the stomach and pancreatic enzymes and bile in the duodenum. Substances in wormwood called sesquiterpene lactones and particularly one called absinthe have been shown to cause reflex reaction from bitter taste buds in the tongue to an activation of the major vagus nerve that controls the upper digestive organs, the stomach, the pancreas, and the liver. Texts written 2,000 years ago in China describe how to use wormwood to treat malaria. And in recent years, one of the active ingredients of wormwood, artemisinin, has been shown to be a staunch ally against the dreadful disease. Malaria kills over a million people a year, most of them children and especially in Africa. In 2004, the Ethiopian government changed their frontline malaria drug from Fansador, which has an average treatment failure of 36%, to Coartem, a drug based on artemisinin, which is 100% effective when used correctly. 
the author's titles and the where and when published of nearly 80 further studies and articles on wormwood are listed in PDF found here. All right, let's continue to read. I, this is a um, wonderful website or a wonderful uh, entry on wormwood, rjwhalen.co.nz. Oh, safety of wormwood. Wormwood should not be used by pregnant women or during breastfeeding. I would not use this herb for children under the age of 12 unless other methods had failed. It is safe to use for the elderly when needed, but the dose should be moderate. As a member of the Compasaceae family, also Asteraceae, there is about a 1% chance of being mildly, mildly allergic to it. Symptoms such as cough itching after commencing its use, it, it is not an herb for you. So increased bowel cleansing is common from using wormwood. It is not seen as a bad sign. Okay, bowel cleansing. There are plenty of reports in the medical literature of severe toxicity from the excessive use of wormwood or one of its derivatives. Okay, wormwood was the basis of the infamous absinthe that is thought to have set Van Gogh along with many others quite mad. This is an herb to use with much care. The right amount can be a healing medicine even when other methods have been unsuccessful, but too much will be poison used with care. So it looks like uh, one to two milliliters of the tincture is perfectly safe. And uh, so I don't know about drinking, uh, <laughs> drinking a bottle of absinthe, whether that's considered safe. So therapeutic substances, and this certainly includes all medicinal herbs, can do good and therefore also have potential to do harm. The maxims, the poison is in the dose, precisely describes how too much of anything can be bad for us, and the ancient rule to firstly do no harm is to this day held as the core directive by all practitioners of traditional herbal medicine. So not only are we careful to do our best to use the right herbs, but equally, we take care not to give too much of them or use them over long. For some years now, against this old, proven, and safe way of herbalism, there has been a rising tide of excessive caution and scaremongering in many parts of the world. The same authorities in medical publications that not so long ago decried herbal medicines as ineffectual have now taken up a different kind of adversarial position, that they are dangerous substances that should not be taken for a long list of reasons and really should only be prescribed by doctors who, of course, have zero training in them. <laughs> the list of 10 popular herbs and why you should avoid them <laughs> include things like garlic, ginger, and thin that might thin your blood. <laughs> It is absurd to the point of ridiculous, but fear is the universal driver, and fear has also long been proven to be effective when used to manipulate and control others. I realize that the reader who comes to a page like this is unlikely to be swayed by such misinformation, but I nevertheless want to remind you that the reason that herbs cannot be patented or owned by any individual or corporation is that they are the people's medicine. They belong to us all, and it is my great hope that you will learn how to use them safely and wisely for yourself and the people you care for. Be safe, but do not be afraid. Oh, this is a wonderful website. So he's going to go ahead and relate a personal experience. 
uh, wormwood is a potent cleansing and stimulating herb that does its work within the body for a long time after it has been taken. It is an herb to use with much respect and not for longer than required. And I usually prescribe it to be taken once a day with plenty of water and away from food. I look for signs of encumbrance and excessive dampness as an indicator to using wormwood, such as things as thick coating on the tongue, a languid pulse, or de debris or congestion in the blood plasma. Symptoms that might include, suggest the use of wormwood include bloating and distension in the abdomen, headaches, tiredness, and low-grade inflammation in the back or the joints. I see wormwood is one of the best of all medicines where there is dysbiosis, infection in, in the digestive tract. This may be obvious from the healthy history, from the health history or in symptoms such as grinding of the teeth, an itchy bottom, or a chronic bloating of the gut that is not simply related to food intake. In the olden days, such symptoms would have been thought to have been caused by worms, but we now know that bad bacteria and fungal overgrowths are even more common than parasites. Fortunately, wormwood pretty much kills anything you don't want in there if you take enough of it for long enough. The tincture of wormwood is very effective, but it is hard to take because of its extreme bitterness. Nevertheless, if someone has a congested liver or blocked flow of bile, a one-off dose of the tincture, whereby around 10 to 20 drops in a glass of water is drunk over a few minutes, is a remarkably potent and quick-acting treatment. For the effective treatment of gut parasites or fungal or bacterial infection, I, pre I prefer the ease of use of the capsules of wormwood, whereby I typically give a strong dose of around 4 times 400 milligram capsules in the evening for as long as it takes to effect a cure. So yeah, it seems like um, the daily limit of using uh, you know, just the whole herb, either in infusion or capsule or powder, would be about two grams a day of wormwood. So that was my uh, commentary. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, finish reading this entry. To ease the passage of its strong action within the body, wormwood combines well with any of the licorice root, fennel, or peppermint. All right, so he's going to get, he, he talks a little bit of the constitutional note. Um, much of the information here about the traditional uses of wormwood is consistent with the model of thinking whereby one may treat problem A with herb B. There is value in this approach in how to help and in how it helps us pass on useful knowledge to one another. But where it falls short is that people are not all cut from the same cloth. Wormwood might work brilliantly for one person, but less well for another with the same sort of symptoms. Why is this? Part of the reason is that people vary in their constitutions as to whether they are either hotter or cooler, and at the same time either drier or damper. This useful and rather fascinating subject is introduced further here. And there was a link. <laughs> So another big part of using the right herb when it is most needed comes from the understanding the need to treat what is going wrong with the person that has led up to their getting a health condition. In this light, wormwood can particularly offer its benefits when a cleansing action is needed in the cycle of healing. More about this here. <laughs> another link. Wow, <laughs> the cycle of healing. <laughs> you got to, you got to, 
try to bring up this. Um, I put in wormwood tincture into Google, so I think it's in the top five, um, R.J. Whalen, this website. So please understand, I cannot advise you, including on products and dosage, without seeing you in person in my clinic. But for ideas on how you might find a good herbalist in your area, read here. And the living book is, this living book is my labor of love. So wherever you are, I wish you peace and good health. So I really enjoyed reading that. I'm going to take a little bit of a break. I've been talking, talking, talking. And perhaps I'll um, find my way. I haven't done much production today, uh, pre-production for the show. So I'll be back shortly. Okay, I'm looking at my uh, production notes, and I really have um, very little this uh, month to share, and perhaps I'll be back in a few weeks with a full two-hour show. I'm just really excited that um, hemp was made legal on a federal level this past month in December 2018. Uh, hemp became legal in the United States, and it it was made a Schedule One um, drug in 1970, I believe, during the Richard Nixon administration. So for um, 48 years, um, hemp has been illegal, and um, so it's wonderful that hemp will now be a crop that farmers can consider growing. I'm uh, in the process of building a home on a homestead, and I've been looking at alternative building materials, and there's a uh, material called hempcrete, which is a mixture of um, hemp uh, fibers, which are like the leftover herds, the woody part of the hemp, a little bit of lime, and some small amount of concrete, and you can create an amazing sub um, building material with hemp and there are stru structures uh, found in France that are 1500 years old that are still standing still stable uh, it appears that it's uh, anti-mold it's anti-fire uh, it's an incredible building material and I, I really look forward to um, as more it, it uh, there, there are hempcrete structures that were, um, have been constructed in the United States, but up until now it had to be imported. And I was looking at the prices or listening to the show, the Adam Dunn Show, which has uh, some really good um, podcasts this past month about um, hemp. And they also have um, a show about hempcrete in the past year. So the Adam Dunn Show, I think it's on YouTube, and uh, he is very active in the hemp industry. He's been active in the hemp industry for over 25 years. He has a company that uh, makes really beautiful clothing. He used to be based in Amsterdam. He's now based in uh, Denver, Colorado. And he's taking in, he's uh, active in the hemp industry. But um, some of the numbers that I heard that um, so to construct a 1,400-foot house or structure from hemp, you would need to uh, grow, I think, two and a half acres of hemp. And there are many parts of the country where you can probably grow two or three crops a year of hemp. And so that would be, you know, to 
to have all the concrete you need to build your house, you would need one crop of hemp. <laughs> and um, the other really cool thing that I'm learning about is it's a carbon sequestering material. And so for every ton of hemp, it will absorb the carbon dioxide from the and then also people that are very sensitive to um, chemical smells and, you know, just chemical things are choosing hemp over other building materials because it, it appears that it really, the structures have really nice clean air. So um, I'm amidst, um, like I was saying, and compiling and researching about using hemp in um, the house that I want to build for myself. And uh, there'll be more on that and um, more on other things. I'm not, I guess I'm not sorry that just this month I really did not um, pull anything together really to do a, a full two-hour show. Normally I, um, I hear little podcasts and stuff that I can play some snips, that I, but I really didn't have anything prepared this month, but I wanted to show up and show my commitment to doing the show. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the little show that we did tonight. <laughs> and I showed up a minute a minute late and um, leaving like an hour and forty five minutes early. But um, I love everyone and um, please interact with me. I'm on uh, Facebook, but um, I'm going to be only posting probably once or twice a month to announce the show because I'm taking a little bit of break away from all this um, online stuff. And uh, so you can uh, reach me on Facebook. My name is Sean, S-E-A-N. My last name is Mernin, M-U-R-N-I-N. If you want to send me an uh, email and contribute th to the show or uh, send me clips that you want me to play on the show, the email address for this radio show is peoplesmedicineshow at gmail.com. So have a good January, everyone, and I'll be back next month.